Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Caroline Stephen here, financial journalist. Welcome on board to this week's episode of Talking Trading. Ever suffered feelings of self-doubt or feelings that it's just a matter of time until somebody finds out that you're a fraud? Are you living in fear of the other shoe about to drop? These feelings, they're known as the imposter complex. And our special guest today, leadership coach Tanya Geisler from Toronto, Canada, is about to debunk them. Tanya is credited by the psychologist who coined the term the imposter complex as being a world-leading authority. Her TEDx talk, Owning Your Own Authority, became an instant YouTube sensation. Tanya's clients have sat on Oprah's couch. Her mission is to empower people to live their fullest, most expansive life. You see, everyone has feelings of the imposter complex. It wants you afraid. It wants you alone. It wants you shut down, out of action, and not trusting your capacity. This is part one of our interview with Tanya, where she discusses the six behavioural traits of the imposter complex and its 12 lies. Tanya Geisler, leadership coach extraordinaire all the way from Toronto, Canada. Hello and welcome back to Talking Trading. Thank you. It is so good to be here. Tanya, let's talk about the imposter complex. What are the attributes of the imposter complex? So I think about this in the context of all roads leading back to the imposter complex. Uh, When Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, who are the clinical psychologists who coined the term imposter phenomenon back in 1978, were doing their work, they discovered there were four behavioral traits, attributes that were showing up with just about every single person who was presenting with imposter complex, not necessarily all at the same time. uh, but they would zig and zag. And I've, and I've expanded that to include two more. And the fantastically tricky, tricky thing about these attributes, these behavioral traits, is that they're actually double binds. So they get you coming and going. So the first is what Clance and I'm uh, called diligence. I speak to it as perfectionism. Uh, what shows up here is people with the imposter complex feel so terrified about being found out that they're fakes, that they're going to work two to three times as hard as their peers their colleagues, just to to get ahead of it, right? So they over-prepare to the point of exhaustion. But the, but the double bind shows up in and around that effort they interpret as proof that they're incapable. If I had to work so hard, it's because I'm not supposed to be here. Ow. 
ouch. The second is feeling of being a phony. And I speak to this as leaky boundaries. So once again, to avoid being found out, people uh, with imposter complex will sometimes offer up answers they think other people are seeking of them, uh, which can lead to further entrenched sense of phoniness. And, you know, actually, even as I heard myself saying that, it, there was a, a, the way I said it was was almost framed as a question. Uh, do, do, do you agree? You know, there's a way in which um, that I'm, I know what I'm talking about here, right? So my boundaries don't need to be any at all leaky in and around this. But this quality of uh, saying what what you think people want to hear shows up around the imposter complex. And once again, the double bind is that if we are standing in a place of uh, not a truly deepened sense of truth, we're going to feel like a phony. The third is people-pleasing, and uh, they called it use of charm. People-pleasing, this is completely my tell. This is, this is me all over. Uh, in, yeah, I'm just going to call it right out. Uh, in an attempt to gain approval and praise, because I like the praise, uh, people with the imposter complex can rely heavily on our likability. Here's the rub, though. When the praise that we can receive feels hollow, you know, they just gave me the opportunity because they liked me, not because I'm skilled or talented or experienced or the expert in this topic, but rather because they like me. So this is the other place that we get kind of tripped up. And the fourth that they identified was they, they called it uh, avoiding displays of confidence. I call it diminishment. You know, if we are dealing with the imposter complex, if we think that if we display our confidence and our intelligence, we might be rejected by others or challenged. Gosh forbid we get challenged. So not only can we, do we dismiss our confidence, we're going to actually convince ourselves that we are less than to avoid this rejection. This means we're like, as we are turning on ourselves, that feeds into our lack of confidence. We don't write the confident bio. We don't write the confident pitch. We use language like it's just, and we diminish our power. And I've gone further to expand into comparison and procrastination. Comparison, you know, why would I bother when I'll never be able to live up to the work of that one or him or or even myself? When I was younger, I would have been able to pull this off, but I can't because I'm comparing myself too deeply. So we got the double bind showing up once again. I'm the imposter. And finally, procrastination. It's never going to be good anyway. Why bother? So we, so we produce something or we just like, you know, straggle to the finish line. And the work we produce, the presentation we deliver, it's half-assed. And so, you know, that's the kind of feedback that we're going to get, likely, which just further entrenches our belief that we are the imposter. We're not supposed to be there. So those are the six attributes, perfectionism, leaky boundaries, people-pleasing, diminishment, comparison, and procrastination. Six times ouch. Ouch, 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 ouch. More of Tanya Geisler after the break. you loving our Talking Trading podcast, then you'll love Talking Trading Gold, monthly in-depth recordings for 24 months. We're going to drip feed you inspiring ongoing trading education from Market Wizards. Multi-millionaire Market Wizards have got together and knocked on your door, so you'd better answer them. 
go to talkingtradinggold.com.au. talkingtradinggold.com.au. Let's talk about the lies of the imposter complex. What are some of the lies around it? I love that you love numbers so much. You're such a numbers gal. We've got 12 lies. Um, and and the, the reason I, I speak to them in this way, I feel like this is kind of a game of whack-a-mole, you know? So when we hear these lies, we can go, oh, okay, I, I get what that is. And then we can choose a different path. We can choose to not believe or we can choose to challenge, right? So the first lie is your self-doubt is proof, proof of your inadequacy. So it's super familiar to you in this field where, you know, intelligence and confidence is really highly prized. But the good news about the imposter complex is the fact that you're experiencing the imposter complex. That's actually proof, proof that you are conscientious, high functioning and have strong values of integrity and excellence. This is what keeps you on your edge, striving for mastery. This is what makes you so good at what you do. This is what makes you a leader. And it means you can actually bring some empathy into the fold, which once again, makes you that good leader, makes you a good team member, colleague, and, you know, even mentor. You're a mentor. So uh, I want you to think about the reframe, and that is self-doubt is actually proof of your humanity, not your inadequacy. Lie number two, successful people don't experience this. This, of course, just goes ahead and colludes with the first lie, trying to uh, have you deepen into that belief about your inadequacy. The thing is, the higher they, this generalized other they climb, the farther they have to fall, which is precisely why we don't climb too high anyway. We're afraid of falling. That This is why we feel such sweet relief when you hear that people at the top of their game know intimately the sting of the imposter complex. Meryl Streep, Neil Gaiman, uh, Sonia Sotomayor, Sheryl Sandberg, Chris Martin, Tina Fey, right? The imposter complex is actually like a traveling companion. The more you do, the more places you succeed, the more opportunities it's going to take to point out all you still don't know and other places in your life that you're not living up to. It's incredibly high standards. The trick is not allowed to shut you down. So the reframe here is you're not alone. And in fact, you're an exquisite company. You're an exquisite company. We are a, we are a Bonnie team. We are. Okay. Got it. When you said the trick is to not let it shut you down. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole point. Uh, So let me say that, that, that all of these lies are intended to shut you down. So each and every one of these, you know, we've got to find our own way into it. So I will share with you the three three simple strategies that everybody uses um, to overcome it in their way because it is a traveling companion. It's always going to show up. In fact, I'm, the, the the deeper I go down this rabbit hole of understanding, the more I, I get that there's actually a bioevolutionary context to why we have the imposter confidence and why it shows up on the precipice of something new, on the precipice of something huge and big. It is intended to shut us down. So this is this is our work to keep coming up against and going, all right, I see you, I hear your lies, and I'm choosing another path. So line number three is you are all or nothing. It loves worst case scenarios, and it loves to speak in confidence extremities. You are either complete success or a raging failure. You know everything or you know nothing with no room for nuance, no room for discernment. There's nothing in between these two two polar opposites. So, you know, it, it's 
this is actually feels like a really easy one. It feels so defeating when we hear it, but you know, when we, when we just bring a little intelligence into, we could just ask the same question we would ask the bore that we're sitting next to at the dinner party. Really? Like (laughs) complete success or raging failure. There's nothing in between. Really? And it's just amazing how quickly that just floats away. It's irrational. You know, it's an irrational argument, this or that. And of course, when the truth is always closer to best case scenario, that's what your life continues to show you. Line number four. I always take a deep breath when I think about this one because, you know, this shows up a lot for me as a writer, as a speaker. Um, You have nothing useful to say or valid or original or enduring or 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 and when we believe this lie we say nothing we don't communicate with our peers our colleagues our fans we pass up opportunities to share our message we don't collaborate and we miss out on growth learning and connection and you know just to like dial this down a bit there is indeed a distinct possibility that what you're saying has been said before we all stand on the shoulders of our teachers and we have to attribute but no one is ever 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 going to say it in the way you will say it your way will be informed by your unique and complex structure of values and your experience and your people want to hear it your way your way is the way that's the reframe here you must not tell anyone about this is line number five. Because of the first couple of lies, we don't want to speak about it. It's That's how the imposter complex gets such a good grip. It pays you hush money. If you don't tell anyone about those feelings, then maybe they'll be less likely to think maybe she doesn't deserve to be here. And so we don't want to give them ideas. But speaking the fears is actually more productive and creates, fosters a sense of connection and empathy. It also... I think it's far more enduring, far more helpful for you to be able to say, I'm excited to be doing this and nervous because it matters. So when you say that, uh, watch, sit back and just watch as that relief spreads across the room. The truth is so many more people are experiencing this than you are. And it really does invite people in. It does invite the conversations, does invite uh, a sense of accountability that is extremely, uh, that scares the Jesus out of the imposter complex, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, your job is actually to name it. That's the reframe. That said, <laughs> everything is a contradiction. So here's line number six. You must tell everyone about this. In this place, we say things like we'll say to a gathering, I don't belong here. Um, let me point out all of the things that I did wrong in that report. Uh, we, you know, we dismiss that praise because we want to make sure that they can see the error of their ways. <laughs> But the truth is, of course, they're so busy thinking they don't belong here to even consider if you belong here or not. So this is where we get into oversharing. We need some discernment in and around how much to share and how little to share. And, you know, that's always a tricky one. I mean, when I work with people one-on-one, we we dive pretty deeply into this because this does take – we have to find our own way into this. And then I heard this quote from Brene Brown uh, just last night, actually, did an interview, and um, the interviewer shared this with me. And Brene Brown said, and I'm still sitting with it, so I'll share it here, though. Don't puff up. Don't shrink. Just stand your sacred ground. Mm. Oh, I just feel that 
that tension, that discernment, um, that, that, that tension resolved and that discernment clearer. It feels really strong and powerful to me. So may that be so for others as well. Uh, when we are in oversharing, we then run the risk of uh, getting ourselves tangled up in that vulnerability paradox where we you know, share too much. So standing in sacred ground, I feel it's just such a powerful way to, 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 to feel into that. Line number seven, you're not ready yet. So at long last, the imposter comics is finally getting you a little slack. It's pointing to the fact that you may be ready one day. That day is just not today. Maybe you'll feel ready when you get the next degree or the or another 10 years under your belt or won the award. But I want you to consider two things. As you sit down to write the book or step up to the mic or deliver your latest findings that will pit, change everything, think about how everything, everything you have ever made, delivered, sold, created, drafted, survived, healed, and done is coming together right here and now for this purpose, for this moment. And no one was ever fully ready for anything. That pencil is never going to be sharp enough, but it's sharp enough to say what needs to be said, sharp enough to be to write what needs to be written. Do it. You're ready enough. Line number eight, you'll never be able to pull that off again. So you did something fabulous. You got noticed. You won that award, wrote something people deeply cared about, brought in the big contract. But apparently, somehow, the statute of limitations on your capacity to do more fabulous somethings has finally kicked into gear. Suddenly, your talents and your skills, your abilities are finite. You're certain you're going to become the one-hit wonder. So why bother? But the truth is your tr- your success was the result of the skills and will you brought to the table. It's possible the stars were aligned, to be sure. And so it shall be again, as long as you keep bringing your skills and will to the table. The truth is the reframe here is the one hit wonder gave in to the imposter complex. That's what happened. That's what happened to them. Line number nine. It's just a matter of time before this all crumbles beneath you. This one shows up when we're nice and relaxed, we're serene, we feel a little gratitude for how good life is, the partner, the job, the income, the opportunities, the health, and then, oh my gosh, we perk up, we realize that we've let our guard down. We've somehow managed to curse ourselves with our mini celebration with the other shoe is certainly about to drop, right? This is like we start to dress rehearse disaster. We stop breathing, we stop appreciating and we panic. This is exactly where imposter complex likes us to be low, not in action. But I wonder how good will you allow this all to be? What if the other shoe wasn't about to drop? What then? Line number 10. You can't trust the praise of others. This, of course, goes back to that, you know, that likability, that use of charm piece. It's not their fault, right? You've done such a good job pulling the wool over their eyes for so long. They were bound to think you're more smart, more capable, more competent than you really are. Which brings us back to line number six. We must, we must tell everybody about the set the record straight, you know, point out all of our mistakes, our gaps, etc calling yourself out for the imposter, right? So I get it, I get it, I get it. But can you also just for a moment hold the possibility that they are really and truly reflecting back what they see, a competent, capable, smart individual with so much to offer? Can you accept their acknowledgement as the gift it was intended to be? 
the reframe here is dare to believe someone when they tell you how remarkable you truly are. And then say the two words feared most by the imposter complex. Thank you. Thank you. Lie number 11, you're going to have to fake it till you make it. So this often cited directive is a really well-intended strategy to circumvent the imposter complex. And while I completely understand the science underneath playing the game, taking powerful stances until they are baked right into our confidence, absolutely. I also take a strong stand for this colluding with our already exacerbated sense of imposterhood. Rooting into what is true and meaningful and authentic about your qualifications, your abilities, and your capacity is far more enduring. You actually don't need to fake a thing. Nothing needed, nothing to be faked here. Line number 12, asking for help is for suckers. Uh, This also sounds like only the weak seek help. The reason so many of the lies for the imposter complex have to do with you being alone and isolated is that's where you are the most vulnerable and the least impactful, which again is exactly where it wants you. It counts on you feeling those ways, keeping you singled out with your head down. No one needs to go this alone. In fact, no one should. Asking for help means you're serious about your success. The reframe is your people. Let me underscore italicized bold. Your people want you to succeed. Let them help you. And there is one bit of truth that the imposter complex shows up with, and that is there is room for improvement. There is room for more, which feels like good news. You know, we love the work that we're doing. The reason where the imposter complex shows up are in these areas where it really deeply matters to us. It doesn't show up in uh, tasks that we do throughout the day that aren't meaningful or, or, or in close proximity to our heart. It only shows up in the areas that are deeply meaningful to us, in our chosen vocation, in our parenting, in our uh, you know, health uh, practices or Whatever is really up for you, the the new places that you're looking to edge out, to evolve, to expand, this is where it shows up. So the good news is that um, there are places for you to deepen into those attributes, those aspects of your life that you deeply love. So that is the good news. Um, There is always room for improvement. Yes, you are learners. This is a good thing. What I really want you to know, though, deeply and intrinsically as I read off those, the 12 lies, is that it actually comes with a choice. You know, you have a choice to listen to what it's saying and believe it. You have a choice to discern what is useful and practical to you. You have a choice to discard that which doesn't serve and even a choice to transform what it's saying. This gives you back the power and that feels good. And that is all we have for you today, guys. Stay tuned to next week's episode to hear part two of Tanya's interview, where she gives three broad strategies to overcome the imposter complex and move into your own authority. I'm Caroline Stephen. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary, and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. 
Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.